Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of any fantasy novel with a strong female lead and a new mom desperately failing at trying time to find time to read. <laughs> and I'm Nicole, and according to my library TBR, I like books about magic, my most common <laughs> category. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing tonight uh, for episode uh, 65, book 65? You know, I'm good. I have my favorite beer of all time from my college town that oh. our local like little shop or over by us has occasionally, and it was in stock. So I'm loving that. And <laughs> I've just kind of, I think I've reached a point in Tired where I've just accepted I'm never going to sleep again. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, that seems good. <laughs> I literally told my boss, I had a meeting the other day and I told her, I think it's just dawning on me that you have a child and you never get forever. To- <laughs> you have it forever from now on. <laughs> you never get to not be the grown up ever again. At every moment of every day for the rest of your life, you are the grown up. And that's a lot. So, you know, I'm processing that. That's why you see, like, groups of, like, 50-year-old women out, like, in the summer at wineries for, like, their girls' weekend away, and they're, like, trashed, and they're being really obnoxious, but part of you is just like, I get it. Like, you do you. Like, this is what you need right now, because it's the only time you get to be irresponsible. Yep. Yep. No, that's totally... And even then, you know those 50-year-old moms in the back of their head are like, shit, is my child alive? Yes. It's a thing. It's a thing. I'm fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, uh, not so tired. I feel, feel good. And, and, uh, I've been on quite a reading, a reading, uh, splurge recently. I've been really going through it. And I, and despite that, I have requested far too many books in the library and they're all coming in tomorrow, <laughs> like 10 books, you know? Uh, cause the, Picking them ones off of my TBR that I want to read next is almost as fun as the reading itself. Oh, right. When I take my child to the library, do I still get books for myself that I know I'm not going to read? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. And so then I'm like, oh, I have a few out, but I'm, I'm like, it's taking in my library, even though they're fully open now, it still seems like it's a bit slower to get the books because I think they're like holding the books for three days. So before someone new touches them yeah and and the library isn't open and uh, it's open like four days a week instead of seven and so it's just the circulation is slower and so i'm like oh i better put more on hold and then they all come at once and the ones i've been waiting for for months that have been on hold and suddenly they're all ready inevitably always. inevitably and so and i always feel bad but then i get the big tall stack and i just love it oh you know? yeah even though it means that i'm probably not going to read all of them in time no also right now there's no late fee so i guess i could read all of them because it doesn't matter i literally have like (laughs) five books adult books out from the library not just my like son's baby books and have i touched any of them no but are they sitting on my dresser as a sign of comfort yes 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 they are yeah (laughs) yeah just it's so good i we just took a four-day weekend my husband and i and i read two novels in the four days and it was lovely so have you did you manage to read anything this week besides uh book 65 uh no no i didn't how about you (laughs) (laughs) i read uh the duke and i by julia quinn which is the first bridgerton book oh how was it um it was really it was fun i read it like in probably less than 24 hours it's really really light 
fluff. Of total fluff. Really fun. I'm definitely going to read the rest, all the other seven of them. <laughs> um, and it was really good. It was, I feel like that in the show, which I also liked, you know, they uh, probably took some, because the book series is like, there's a book about each sibling in this family. And this, and the, in the show, it's like mainly about the first sibling, which is the first book. But then they also have, they develop the other characters that are going to be main characters later on. Mm. And, the book didn't really have that, you know? We're like, oh, I know they're pulling, must be pulling details out of a later book yeah. to make the show, show like, more, um, like so more, have more depth, you know? And so it'll flow between seasons right. better. But the book was still really fun and, and, uh, and light, and I was, it was interesting to see, like, which iconic TV show scenes were and were not in the book. Uh, yeah. But just like, I'm definitely going to, yeah, I'm definitely reading the rest. There's <laughs> like candy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I basically, like, I picked it up one night and I read for like 10 minutes and then I finished it the next day. <laughs> like, it was, it was so short. So that was, yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was fun. Very fun. Nice. Well, for our podcast this week, we wrote, read The House of the Blind Glass Windows by, good luck with this name, <laughs> Erjorg Air, Wasmo. Yes, who's who's Norwegian, and this, yeah. this is a book in translation, and it originally was published in 1981 in Norwegian, and then in 89 in English. Yeah, and it won some prizes for Norwegian literature. Like the Nordic Prize, I think. Yeah. Um, what's your one-word description of this book? I said, coming of age. If you put the hyphens, it's one word. <laughs> and I said, sisterhood. Not in the not in that this is about sisters, but that as in like the sisterhood of all women. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I think those two points kind of go together in mm-hmm. the description of this book. So um, I will say just right off the bat, the translation of this book is great. Yeah, the language in it is really beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I'll say right off the bat, this book was a brush of breath, a breath of fresh air in the in the podcast books after uh, some that have been. Uh, a bit drier and harder to yeah. read. This one just felt like a book that I would pick up normally yeah, outside this, of the podcast. This felt like a book that I would have like wandered through the library and been like, oh, this is, looks interesting Like, and actually read. Yeah. Um, also, fair warning, it is a trilogy and only the first one is translated. Something yes. we did not Which know. Which is very upsetting. Because <laughs> I would have finished it. Yeah. I want to know what happens to these characters and I cannot find it and I tried to run the like reviews people wrote on Goodreads that were written in <laughs> Norwegian through Google Translate so I could find out what happened. <laughs> That's desperation. And it did not go well. I was mm. very invested when I finished. Okay, you just got to start doing Duolingo for Norwegian. We start for today, Norwegian. one lesson a day for the next year, and then maybe we'll know enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we already have to learn Danish. For that one, there's a one book on the list that's not translated. Oh, yeah. I think it was Danish, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we haven't started that yet. Those are probably pretty similar, right? They're both like, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, Scandinavian. By languages. the time we learn them, they'll probably be a babblefish to just like. Yes. Yeah. We're, any any book that comes out like that, we're just like putting back in the bucket so that so that we figure out oh, by the time we finish this in 30 years, maybe it'll have been translated. Technology will have uh, advanced. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. What would you say is the quick plot of this oh, book? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the quick plot of this book would be uh, this is a story about Tora, a young girl in a Norwegian fishing village in the 20th century who is growing up in poverty and with a stepdad who is abusive to her and her her coming of age and kind of 
learning who she is and how she wants to be a woman in the world. Yeah. And it also has um, a lot of character depth for other women in her life, which plays into the sisterhood that Nicole mentioned. Yeah, that was my favorite part of it. So there, this book does have, like, uh, incest <laughs> in it, um, and it's and it's disturbing, you know, like you would expect. Yeah, is it – this is just a – this is definitely she's being raped. Is it incest if it's your stepfather? I don't know. I just, when I read a description of the book, it uses the word incest. Okay. Because it, it isn't her, like, biological father. That does not matter at all for the heinousness of the act, but just yeah. for clarity's sake. So part of the intricacy of this novel is that um, this is a post-World War II Norwegian fishing village um, that was um, occupied by Germans. And so uh, Tora is actually... Um, the child of a German soldier um, and her mother, they fell in love and she is their child. And then he was ran out of town and he ended up dying and was killed. Um, and then her mother was like shamed for having slept with a German, right? Like she, they shaved her hair off in the village square after the war was over. And uh, she ends up with this very, um, this drunk and violent man who um, kind of is like a dark shadow in their household, but that she is also very attached to. It's like an unhealthy attachment the mother has. Yeah, kind of like because she has no, no, no other options. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and people and ch other children tease Torah as being for being German. Yeah. Um, because that's the worst thing you could be in a country that was just recently occupied. Um, yeah. And so there's that kind of level of intricacy in it um and i think that also partially plays into um the rape and, and incest that the stepfather perpetrates against her because he definitely feels like um it's like weird like they say like there's like shame that he's with the wife but he also like is like very commandeering and very violent towards them like he like views that as something he can do because yeah. Of the situation they're in. Because they're beneath him. Sort yeah. Of because of that past. And part, and not even just because they're women, but because of the German um, soldier who is Tora's father. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that is a big, a big like trigger warning in this. There's also a very um, traumatic miscarriage, not by Tor like the main character of the child does, isn't, Tora does not get pregnant, but by um, some, another woman who lives in the tenement that is like, I thought was oddly graphically described, like how the woman kind of like loses her sanity over the miscarriage and falls apart. And, um, and so just, that's another thing yeah. that's in this story. Something I thought was really well done in this book is that Tora, who's 10 is the narrator. So she is an unreliable narrator mm -hmm. because she's a kid, but it really captures her voice. Yeah. Childlike voice really well. And, um, the way that she, you know, she talks about the rapes, but it's also like she's trying to, like, put it out of her mind and, like, protect herself. And you can – that really comes across, like, mm -hmm. how the mental anguish and how she's trying to live with it. Um, and yeah, that, that – I just think often if they're – often I, I'm not a fan of an unreliable narrator. Um, but in this case, I think they it's really well done. I think it did a good job, too, of picking up – on like the things a child would notice and the things that they wouldn't notice. Yeah. So, um, when Tora, one of the things is that she has to always has to go to the store for her mom. And a lot of times they're in debt to the, um, the 
owner of the store there. And he, like, you know, writes it down in the book. And the men who are out of work hang out in that shop. And um, oftentimes when they come in, they're talking about badly about Germans and about people of German heritage and yada, yada, yada. And the shopkeeper has this bad reputation in town um, because they think he's thieving and all this, like, background stuff. But then he, every time that Torah comes in and they're doing that, he redirects the conversation. And so the thing that she notices and remembers about him is that he is a person that sees her yeah. when lots of people don't. And I think that's a thing that a lot of kids, like – internalized from being a teacher like that kids will like express is like oh this person sees me and knows me um whereas others don't and that in her mind made him not a bad person and so it was really interesting I like that was like a really random one that stood out to me within it but um it was I liked the way it was written a lot yeah yeah and then I think I picked the word sisterhood as my one word description because it's a lot like so there's um Torah, her mother, and then her aunt, mm-hmm. and her aunt has like a happy marriage where, and they're more, well, they're wealthier, um, and and they have more of an equal partnership, mm-hmm. uh, and which and it's kind of in the Torah's eyes because she's narrated that seems rare and magnificent that they would actually like be kind to each other, and like each other, and uh, and the aunt and the mom and the Torah go like on a trip together to like off their island to the mainland. For, for something and and it just their that their time together the three of them I think is the best part of the book like the heart of it um because even though the mom and the aunt don't know what's happening to Torah the abuse that's happening it I just made me think about how like only with other women can women heal from the violence perpetrated by men uh and there's like a and there's like a few scenes where the aunt is like telling them how she pays herself a wage out of the, her husband's money for like mm-hmm. the housework. And then the mom, mom, Tora's mom is like, every woman does that stuff. And she's like, yeah, and we all should be getting paid <laughs> yeah. for it because it's real work. Um, and I think that was like really profound. And then um, when, and then they're like, obviously like the two sisters, the aunt and the mom, like the aunt, really wants her sister to be out of the situation that she's in mm-hmm. with the abusive, terrible husband. Um, but that's really hard for them to understand each other's situations. But just yeah. like, but they're still deeply, deeply connected uh, as like a unit, a, th- a unit of three. And again, it feels like they could take on anything if they're like, if they're together as a group. And it's just, I don't know, it's just really powerful. I, I it really stuck with me. That and part. I, I liked it too. And um, one of the reasons I'm really sad that it's not, um, translated the other two books is there were other women female characters that were on like the outskirts of that as well that felt like they probably would get more development in the story as it went on so there was um, a girl who was two years older than Torah that is obviously Tora, one of Torah's only friends um, and her name is Soul and she has been put in this position of being the caretaker for all of her siblings and um, Torah frequently like mentions the burden that soul is carrying but not knowing how to help her and being like I'm two years younger I don't know how to fix this I don't know how to fix this but then also having that like secret like feeling you have where like oh my situation is terrible but other people are in a bad situation too I don't feel as alone kind of with her um and then there's also a female teacher um who 
had does some like reaching out to Torah and to soul and like ensuring that they're like, like Torah has books mm-hmm. that can expose her to the world at large. And like Torah always has a book. Rachel gives her books a lot. Her aunt Rachel and, and the teacher, Miss Gunn, I think her name was, gives her books. And then, um, for soul, the other girl, when she had to pull out of school, the teacher comes and makes sure that she keeps having classwork to do, even though she's stuck at home. Yeah. Um, and so, there was a lot of side character, female characters as well that like were like on the outskirts of their like sisterhood um, that I was interested in seeing like how they would develop as the story evolved because it was clear that um, this town that they were living in was probably on the brink of having to figure out how like modernization was going to affect them mm-hmm. um, and what was happening in the undercurrent was that many of the men in the town were jobless and just drinking and just and not- sort of disenfranchised yeah. and the women were picking up the slack and you got these little like snippets of that um, and so I was just I was very invested in all of the female characters, yes, and I'm very upset yeah. I can't read them more. Though I was a little pissy with the mom, but that's fine. Yeah. I When you were talking about that, I marked a passage. So about that, the friend who um, had a lot of responsibility because her mom um, went to, like, an asylum after a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a section in that part of the book that says, Children were always the women's. When the women failed in one way or another, it only meant trouble for the children. No one knew what to do with them. There might be great piles of jobless fathers all over the place, but that was no help. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just It's just, there's something moving to me about that, I, that like, central theme of just, like, women are the ones who get it done in the face mm-hmm. of adversity, you know, for, for themselves and as a, for a community, that they only rise when they all rise, you know. Yeah. I also, I really enjoyed, um, I didn't read the back that said this was a trilogy before I started reading the book. Did you know it was a trilogy? Um, And so at the end of the book, the culminating set of scenes in the book um, is that Tora is going home one night and she sees that her stepfather is home and the mom is at work. And she knows that that means she's going to be raped. And she can't go in the door. And so she leaves and she's just kind of wandering she's finally like like i can't take it anymore i'm not yeah submitting and this. she's wandering through the the quarry and stuff that's in the area of their village and i was so concerned that the book was gonna end with her like dying <laughs> because she like falls and she cuts herself and she's dissociating and she like one of her safe places in the novel was a location that had been destroyed, but it was currently rebuilding, being rebuilt. So she went to that place, to the construction site, and climbed up onto, like, the scaffolding and was falling asleep there and kind of, like, just dissociating from the whole situation because it was just too much for her. And I was like, fuck, she's going to die. <laughs> like, I was very, like, and I don't think that that would have been, like, it would have been a horrific ending, but like I could have seen the author going there. So like, I was like, Oh God, so anxious that that was going to be the ending of the book. And then what actually happened was equally as upsetting, (laughs) but just in a very different way. Um, and so I just really liked the way the author, even though this story didn't have a lot of things happening in it, there wasn't a lot of plot. It was mostly like, 
it was about her internal journey yeah. to like getting to that point where she said I can't take it anymore and 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 really that like no matter what he does to me it doesn't affect like my soul mm-hmm. like my soul is intact and even with that being the main point the author still was able to have like a plot line where I was like oh yeah that's true so I don't know I really liked it I thoroughly enjoyed this novel I am very upset <laughs> that I yeah. can't read more of this author yeah. I have a few other passages that I marked that were fun there's one um, part where Rachel, the aunt, is reading the newspaper. Um, one day she read that the church authorities, with all due respect, had declined to have anything to do with the idea of women pastors. Rachel snorted at the thought of grown churchmen having nothing better to do than respectfully decline such an idea when there was so much misery in the world. They should be both sweaty and out of breath just from running around consoling and helping people in need. Mm -hmm. Jesus never said one bad word about women, not even whores. She read that in the Bible herself. Yeah. Uh, And I was just like, yes. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I know. It was so good. The one, I will say the one scene that I didn't mark any scenes in the book, but the scene that I think is going to stick with me the longest, it was not a happy scene. It like actually made me cry. Um, so Torah in the book, another relationship she had is, is with a mom of a son that she's friends with. And there's a whole thing where this son, um, he's deaf and mute. And so he doesn't have a lot of communication with the kids in the village. And she, because she feels so outcast, reaches out to him and learns how to sign and all this stuff. But the mom is making her a quilt. Oh yeah. Um, and they work on it for months and Torah collects all the yarn from various scraps and things. And, um, the mom finishes it and she tells Torah, I want you to go put this on your bed, like take it home, go put it on your bed, which is where she's being raped. And, um, Torah's like, no, I can't do that. I want, I want it to stay here. And, um, I don't know, just like the intricacies of that scene and the little girl saying, I could tell she was disappointed in me that I didn't want to take the gift, but I didn't know how to explain, like Mm -hmm. just like broke me. Like I actually cried. Like I was like, this is too much. Like, and then she tells the mom, I'm going to keep it on Simon, which is the mom's, no, not Simon, um, whatever the son Fritz, I'm going to keep it on his bed so I can I can sit on it when I read and be cozy and she like lovingly leaves the house and places it and like it talks about how she lines it up and how perfect it looks um because she can't have that one thing that she helped make soiled um and I just that was just (laughs) that was awful and that was awful in a way because it was being written from a child's perspective and you're I found myself being like there are kids that are thinking things like this. Like an adult is asking something of me and they're disappointed in my reaction, but I don't know how to tell them why I'm reacting this way. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know that. I loved all the sister aspects. I loved most. I loved this book. I really did. But I think that that's going to be the scene that I like that sits with me. Yeah. I, yeah, I have one more passage I'm going to read that I really liked. Um, You had to teach yourself to search and make choices. It was like being in a labyrinth. You searched continually. You couldn't help it if you took a wrong turn. For in any case, you knew there were other roads, and you were sure that one road led out. It was just a matter of learning to wait without explaining anything to anybody. All the steps, all the thoughts existed to be taken and to be thought. 
You could easily let them go a moment if you wanted to, but they came back. All the oar strokes were necessary. They were a part of the road. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's just, good. Yeah, this book was really good. I immediately was like, like, uh, this is, is going to stick with me. It's very moving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I was, it was, it was good, and it was different than anything else we've read for the podcast so far. I think in the way that it really captured uh, a child's voice and how it, and how it handled a, a difficult subject matter in a realistic way. Yeah. And in a realistic way without being graphic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was really worried that it was going to be yeah. horribly so graphic. Yeah. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh, this sounds good, but I'm concerned about reading it because of the content. Um, well, yes, it is dealing with rape and, and incest and it's not, I would say it was handled appropriately. Yeah. Like it was, it was obvious that the author put thought into how can I write this so that it's appropriately horrifying, but I'm also not gratuitously describing yeah. sex scenes involving In a, a child. That, yeah. Like, because they're not. And I, I'm not even going to call them sex scenes. Rape scenes involving a child. Because that's not what it is, and it's not graphically described like that at all. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Totally. And, yeah, it's, it's un- unlike that other book we read, The Witness, that had did have graphic yeah. sex. That was, it, was, that was, it was very disturbing. This felt... <laughs> this felt more real, you know, and, and I yeah. think one of the reasons it really struck a chord was that um, because we're, we're, we're talking about how oh, it's about the sisterhood, it's kind of like the, the one universal experience of all women is different kinds of violence at the hands of men, yeah. whether it's physical or not, but like living in a world that isn't made for you, you know, yeah. um, that is a unifying, can be a unifying experience among women. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, just read the front blurb on this book, and I think it's a nice um, closing thing. It says, like, Wasmo's prose is as stark and descriptive as poetry. And I didn't think about, like, I really like that description of, that really is with this book. It's somehow in terms, in turn, really, like, just, like, blunt and to the point in a way only a child's voice can be. Mm-hmm. But so oddly, like, poetic in the way it was written. It's really it, and even it comes across in translation, which I feel like hard to do. It's yeah. hard to do. We've read some bad translations. Yes, <laughs> and um, this came across really well. So, a kudos to the translator, and b kudos to the like original author. Yes. Um. So obviously, we've said a lot of really nice things about this book. So we say if we think it's a book on the list that everyone should read before they die. Yes. Yeah. And, and this is also one of those where I spend a lot of time thinking, like, do I just want it on the list because I really like it? Or because I think it actually belongs on the list. So, you know. What do you think? One, two, two three. three. Yes. yes. I can't separate whether it's because I really like it or because I think it should really <laughs> be on the list. But I really like it. And I thought the voice was unique enough to say yes. <laughs> and I think I think it's beyond just us liking it because I think it, it captures something of the female experience that we have not covered in any of the books we've read so far. True. The less male voices we can have on our final list. I mean, if two guys want to do this podcast, they maybe they'll pick different books than us. To any people different than us are going to pick different books than yeah, us. But, true. Um, we have to stand by ones that we would truly recommend to people. <laughs> so. so let's pick what we're going to read for our next episode. Hopefully something light and airy. Light and airy. Um, it's called Eugenie Grandet, which 
It could go either way. <laughs> it could go either way on lightning. A rate. young ingenue mm, does something exciting. Yeah. That's what I got from Eugenie. <laughs> <laughs> it made you think of ingenue. That's another French sounding word. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's about the story of like a young girl yeah. in some form. So maybe it'll maybe it'll also make us think like this book about women's experience, or maybe it will be very dry. Hard to say. <laughs> it could go either way. Well, until then though, you can uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Litzy, or Twitter at 1001 Books Pod or at 1001 Books Podcast. Or email us at 1001 Books Podcast at gmail.com. And until then, happy, happy reading. reading.